Welcome to this special episode of That Time I Got Reincarnated in the Same World as an Anime Podcaster. I'm your host, Isekai Sensei-sama, a.k.a. Brad. And as always, I'm joined by Bento Baggins, a.k.a. Ben. Hello! And Kermit D. Grog. Ahoy hoy! And being a special episode, joining us today is the creator and host of the wonderful gaming nostalgia podcast, Deleted Saves, Phil. Hello! Welcome everyone, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Welcome to Leaded Save Sama. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to kick us off today, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your podcast and, and how you got started? Okay, uh, Deleted Saves is a short-form uh, podcast, usually between about 5 and 20 minutes, where I talk about um, certain video games that have stuck with me long after I stopped playing them, uh, and possibly even deleted the save files, because I have an old habit of doing that to save space on my hard drives. And I just sort of give my opinion on them. Um, it's my thoughts, not really following a lot of the probably gaming zeitgeist. Um, so there have been episodes where I have gone against what a lot of people thought was a popular opinion on game. Uh, others, I've talked about games that I think most people probably haven't really heard of. Um, I know we all like to have that special game out there that, you know, nobody heard about this and nobody played, so I get to talk about it. But a few of them, I'm like, no, that's very likely people did not do that. <laughs> um, I'm very bingeable. I've had many people tell me it's a great thing to listen to while they're on uh, lunch break at work and just get caught up. Uh, where did I get started? Well, I got started probably, I was in May of 2021, so I've been doing this for two years now. Uh, initially, I wanted to start out as a Twitch streamer. Um, so I actually wanted to start streaming Skyrim. So I loaded up everything on my PC, mods of the whole deal, got OBS working, and I'd made my debut on Twitch. And about maybe a minute or so in, part of my brain said, hold off and check your sound. So I checked back the minute I had been, like the couple minutes I'd been streaming, and I could hear the game audio very well, but no other audio. So as it turns out, my PC port, the mic thing on the $2,000 PC I had, doesn't work. So I'd been talking to my wall. <laughs> and like the only one, who heard, yep, the only one who heard me, yep, the only one who heard me was my cat. And who was sitting there going, just looking at me funny, like I'd been talking to no one. So um, that was the end of my Twitch career. <laughs> but um, I decided I still wanted to talk about games. And I had done a little bit of podcasting with friends of mine. Uh, we'd been talking like, you know, D&D, tabletop sort of stuff. And I figured, well, I have the setup, so why don't I just talk about games anyway? So I went through a chronological list of all the different game systems I played, the games that really stood out to me. Some I had to actually jog my memory because it's like, oh, God, I remember this. I'm like, okay, yeah, I still remember this. Let's have something to talk about. And I started recording my earliest episodes. And as I've said before, I'm a big fan of YouTuber uh, Noah Gervais. And he does these very like long-form discussions on games and series. Um, so he's talked about like the Fallout series. He's talked about the Red Dead Redemption series. Um, some of the Star Wars games, um, 
you know, uh, some of the D&D based games, a lot of stuff like that. And his videos usually run between like three and seven hour epics. Wow. And he is, he's an amazing writer. And I wanted to like try to model a little bit of what I did on him. So when I wrote up my first episodes and recorded them, uh, my first episode ever was on Castlevania. And I'm like, okay, I got a couple pages. I'll probably go in for 10, 15 minutes talking. And then I was done, and I was like four fifty nine. Yeah, not gonna. It doesn't go that quickly with podcasting. We don't even have a script, and our timelines keep ballooning out massively every episode. So I couldn't imagine going in with a script and being like, "Wow." Yeah, and then I'm looking at the the playback time. I'm like, "Oh no, I've made a terrible, terrible mistake." <laughs> um, but I published it anyway, and because I'd said what I had to say, and that was it. And I just kind of kept going, and. After a while, I did get a few people like, we really appreciate that this is short. (laughs) We honest to God appreciate it. Because as you guys know, most podcasters, and like I said, this is wonderful. Most podcasters can go well over that time. It's kind of expected. Oh, no. What is, what? No. (laughs) Uh, What's that? No. We don't don't ramble. There's no fat to cut. Yeah. (laughs) So when I come in at like five to 20 minutes, people are like, this is very short. Okay. And I know that's gotten me a lot of, that's probably gotten me a lot of people going, oh God, this guy's only like, what is this crap? I'm like, bit, 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 bit. So, but. I think it's great. Like the, I tend to the, think a shorter podcast means that the quality is more condensed. Well, As someone can, who creates too long podcasts. You can get into it so much easier and just like, well, oh, yeah. I'm just going to do this for a couple minutes. And, well, I'm not and, sure and the, about quality. I just sort of talk. <laughs> yeah. It, podcasting. <laughs> The world uh, moved big into short form content with like TikTok and YouTube shorts and everything. I, mm-hmm. pe- there's a big market for that bite sized. But uh, it is also ballooning because, I mean, as Phil had described, like YouTubers have these massive like epics, these video essays that go on for hours. And I feel like a nice middle section, you know, much like in the video game industry when mid tier games kind of fell out, we need to bring it back. <laughs> Yeah, I've talked about a number of mid-tier games myself on my show, and I'm like, I'm getting older. I don't have time for these 100-hour multi-side quest <laughs> things. I really would like a shorter experience. And like, you kind of almost have to go like really searching these days for like a shorter to mid-tier experience. Yeah. So uh, your podcast is going well then, right? I, you just started up a, a Discord channel and or a server? and I did. I, I literally just started it because I'm very, very bad with social media. <laughs> I, I try to... I'm one of those people that problem I think I tend to overshare, so I've had to learn to, like, shut up on social media. But at the same time, I'm also, like... I, I try to, like, do the best I can because I know my time is also limited. I love how everyone has, like, these amazing graphics they do every week. And here's what's coming up in the next month. I'm like... I wish I had the time to do all that. <laughs> so I just, I mostly try to get it out there by word of mouth and hope people listen. Um, I call it, I consider it successful if I, if any show I put out reaches 10 listens. Usually if I get to 20, then I must have done something really, really well. But if I, I get 10 listens, I consider it a success. Well, I consider it a success because I like to listen to it. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I do appreciate it. I appreciate everyone who does tune in every week and actually listens to what I have to say. I realize I'm just another uh, dude with a microphone, you know, talking about 
games, which is already a crowded market to begin with. And I know, like I say, I we hear I hear all the time is like everyone is, oh, here's this famous podcast that talks about games. Here's this other famous podcast. It's been going on for 10 years. And they go on and on about the industry. And I'm like, I'm not talking about the industry. I'm just talking about the things that stood out to me that I felt were important. And I just kind of want to say my piece. I think you're you're doing something interesting and different in the space that is oversaturated, which is sort of similar to what I think, you know, we try and do, which is like a lot of gaming content focuses on sort of strict reviews Mm -hmm. where you're more exploring the, you know, the time and the place and the feelings that you had when you were doing that, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, what we're doing where, most anime manga stuff is doing reviews very similar to the game stuff. And what we're trying to do is sort of expand more on that and explore the meta of all of those. So I think there's, there's definitely an overlap in, in that kind of, uh, you know, thought process, but I also think there's an overlap. Um, and this is something I noticed, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, it seemed like a bunch of your episodes in a row, you were covering, uh, Japanese games. And I went, Mm-hmm. Huh. He's talking about a lot of Japanese games. I I bet we could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really kind of like I, I started playing well the NES in the 80s and mm-hmm. as you guys know that's really kind of most of what they got was Japanese games. So that's where all of us sort of cut our teeth. And um I was always terrible at platformers. I've still this is one of even my wife makes fun of me for this. I have still not actually ever completed Super Mario Brothers. Oh, same. Well, not. Yeah, I, I Tried literally played a million times. Never. No yeah, desire. same thing. Played a million times. I fall in every hole, uh, every every stage. After like the second, I just die hideously every single time. So I was glad to know that you know there were other games being made that featured more my aesthetic and. Even if they were platformers, it was something I could tolerate, like um, Castlevania. I do love that series, um, the early ones especially. And they're still platformers, but, you know, it's Konami. It's one of, I think, Konami's still better properties. Um, My view on games changed in probably the early 90s when Final Fantasy IV came out, which was, as you guys know, it's two here, it's four in Japan. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw that in an episode issue of Nintendo Power. And I'm like, this looks really good, but this is also so different from what I play. And I just couldn't find a copy where I lived in Scranton, just the malls of the mall. Um, Wild as I say, to that show. time when it was yeah. just like, yeah, you don't know when this game is coming out. And mm-hmm. it could just not be at your store or any stores near you. And it just becomes this <laughs> mythic fabled thing. Exactly, and I couldn't find it. What I ended up doing is, I think the summer it came out, um, my parents took us, like, we moved to, well, not moved to, excuse me, we went on a vacation to Canada. And for um, reasons I, I don't quite remember, we wanted to, my father wanted to see the Canadian wilderness because he was a you know, big fisherman and stuff like that. So he's more interested in not going to cities but going out there in the country. And we were around the city of Edmonton. And we went into the town, the city one day, and I don't know, I don't remember the name of the store we went into. It was kind of like a, like a, an early version, like an Canadian version of like a Sam Goody 
or uh, a Best Buy or something like that. Mm. They had a lot of just general um, audiovisual media. And they had a video game session or section, and I saw a copy of Final Fantasy II, which is four. And I'm like, can I play this here? Because at the time, I didn't realize that we were still region one, the United States and Canada and Mexico. You can, I can buy it in any, any of those three countries and take it home and play it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I bugged the hell out of my dad to buy this game. He's like, why can't you just get this at home? It's like, because dad, we I can't can. find it. <laughs> He's like, fine. So he paid the, especially the Canadian pricing, which Ooh, made, yeah. put it about like 70 or $80 back Ooh. then. They've yeah. had it rough since then and still even now. I know it's oh, yeah. rougher for us here in America, but yeah, they always had it worse somehow. And I brought it home, so that's why I said I, I I thank Canada for getting me into Japanese RPGs. <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, I've, I've talked about them. I've talked about um, a number of the Final Fantasy games. My opinions on it. Um, a lot of you know Japanese style games or Japanese games. Um, I yeah, I had a spate of them for some time. Um, one of the ones I, I didn't really like, and I say controversy in the lightest terms, I got a couple people that said, uh, I thank you for your opinion, but I disagree, which was very civil. <laughs> um, again, speaking of Konami, uh, my opinions on the first two Silent Hill games, mm. um, you know, I love the first one. The second one, I am in a minority. I actually don't like, I had a, a very adverse reaction to the plot and story. Oh, interesting. I was um, I've 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 never touched them, but I have just osmosis so much about them because they just seem so fascinating and so many people are like, "Oh my gosh, Silent Hill 2 is like one of the second comings of video gaming." So, um, I, I don't know what I, I don't know how much we want to get in the the weeds on that, but what uh not that I'm like defending it cuz like I've never personally taken it in myself, but like mm-hmm. what stood out to you of like, yeah, first one but not this one. Uh, you know, the, the first one, I loved it because it was just... I, I felt connected to the main character because he was a writer um, in this strange town that looked very much like the East Coast. Could have been anywhere between Maine and the Carolinas. And he was looking for his daughter, and it was very... It's not horrifying in the sense of blood and guts everywhere, but it's a lot of very good uh, suspense, like a good Stephen King novel or something, like like one of King's better novels there's, or something like, like dread. that. There's like dread. Yeah. Dread, drama... Um, the general look of it, which we all know that they had to do the fog effect because the draw distance of the PS1 and all that (laughs) stuff. But they did it well, and it came out. And there was a real good sense of mystery. And however the game turns out, good or bad ending, or the goof ending, if you can find it. The UFO (laughs) ending. I really liked it because I connected with it. And, you know, the the first character, um, Harry Mason, was not like a professional mercenary. He was not a fighter. He's not a cop. So it was very different from the Resident Evil games. So he legitimately, this is, hi, I'm John Everyman trying to survive against a terrible, terrible uh, horror show. The second one, the problem is a lot of the themes of the second one hit a little too close to home for me on a lot of points. Mm. Um, I'm an assault survivor. I've, you know... I've always struggled with my weight, so they're having a character who was, you know, yeah, this whole thing was he yeah. was he was overweight and then went crazy. Um, you know, I've had you know my you know bad relationships, watching my own folks get like having go through a bad divorce, and having like the second character, you know, go through this thing with his wife and his guilt of being there, and I just felt very it it pushed me my buttons in the wrong direction. 
Whereas Very everyone, understandable. Where a lot of other people in the world went, oh, this is fantastic. I went, no, this is pissing me off, but I don't know why. Years later, I find out, oh, it's because I have PTSD and everything this game talked about is one of my specialty triggers. And so I don't give people guff for liking the game. I just I say, understand when you hear my review of it, know that I come from a, from a very different perspective. And I, I had a couple people, you know, come to me and say, we understand that, but still... The Japanese treat this flippantly anyway, man. It's it's just it's just Japan. I'm like, that doesn't excuse them. That doesn't let them off the hook. Yeah. I'm glad we're in agreement here. <laughs> yeah. You I, know, and I, I'm like, but I understand your point of view. You know, I agree to disagree is not the best way to to really say this, but it's more I understand your your point. Please just understand mine. Yeah. You have a you're coming at it from a very specific personal space. There's no like grudge or like this game's crap it's just like this didn't speak this spoke yeah. to me differently than it spoke to you and it spoke to me in a negative way instead of exactly way or but then i turn way. around and do something like my review of the of final fantasy 7 and you know i again i love many of the final fantasy games final fantasy 7 both original and remake i really really enjoyed um for different reasons but, you know, a lot of people are now, like, I, I almost hate to say like, the tide's turning against both games for different reasons. Oh, wow. Like, I kind of get the idea from, like, the, the, the underground chatter that the first Final Fantasy VII is now, like, if it's not treated as sacrosanct, it's just overplayed. It's yeah, like, oh, man, we that. hear too much about it. And it, it, yeah. it kind of, it, it, as someone who doesn't really do jrpgs too much except for like some really specific ones like yeah if you mm-hmm. hear this like because like i've been hearing about that since i was a kid never played it never had the opportunity never had a ps1 but it's like when you hear about this again similar to silent until it's like this game is the second coming and you hear that for years and you finally touch it and you're like this is, this is it this is you know and not to say mm-hmm. anything against it but it's just i definitely get that understanding of like this is this golden idol of the video gaming community and it's it's not for everybody. I know, like I said, JRPGs usually aren't my cup of tea, so yeah. it's not going to be... And also, I can't transfer myself back in time to, what was that, late 90s, early 2000s when it came yeah. out, and it was, like, technologically, like, mind-boggling, and now you're like, teehee, look at that Lego man walk around. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I think that's a, a really good, you know, the the whole thing about doing these, um, these, I guess I'll say reviews, I'm not sure what a better word, essays, um, from that yeah. perspective of like, how did I feel back then going through it? Because mm-hmm. there's so much stuff that was great when it came out and it just does not hold up today. <laughs> yeah, but like it, if you put yourself back in that, in that past mind space and explore well, kinda, it through that way. I wanted to ask uh, specifically when we got to final fantasy seven was um, growing up to what extent, were you aware that all this stuff was was Japanese and localized, and or did it just blend? Um, I I was very aware that it's that it was not an, a Western game. It did not come from the United States, Canada, Europe, something like that. Um, so I had been very aware, even by style, by that point, um, because even before this, I'd started realizing that anime was a thing. Um, I've been a lifelong artist. You know, like I started being a kid, I started drawing, and. I learned like accidentally back in the eighties that a lot of my favorite shows like the Transformers, He-Man, the Thundercats, uh, Ninja Turtles, although some of them were very American based, 
most of that animation was done overseas. It was done either in Japan or it was done in Korea or it was done in Vietnam. Um, and as a kid, I, I'm also a history buff. As a kid, I, at the time, I didn't know the sort of geopolitical climate that led to why all the animation was done overseas, like why we had the ability to do that, what, that it was cheaper or because of World War II or ongoing conflicts that the United States had been involved in, that we had treaties and it was kind of like, I hate to say, kind of throwing a bone to a lot of them because they were cheap and they stayed consistent. But you realize, especially with like Transformers and stuff like that, and Voltron, which I had seen very early, Voltron I kind of looked at as unique because I didn't know what this was. It looked so mm-hmm. different from the cartoons, but I loved it. Of course, early anime, because I didn't know things like Gundam was out there. I didn't know even like old things like Speed Racer and whatnot I had never seen before. And I knew that it wasn't Disney. It wasn't Warner Brothers. So it doesn't look like a Disney show. It doesn't look like uh, Woody Woodpecker. It doesn't look like, you know, Bugs Bunny, anything like this. So what is this thing that I'm seeing? And a lot of it, it was able to stay consistent, but it was still the 80s. So animation was not... Oh, God. 80s animation's not <laughs> doing too hot in the West. No. A lot of that is rancid garbage that deserves to be left where it is. Yeah, or even shows like, and I'm going to throw this one back, The Inhumanoids. Yeah. Which oh my, I had like yeah. some of the toys, and I didn't know what this was, and I only saw a few of it. I didn't know it was a whole bloody line of Japanese cartoons. The GoBots, I didn't know it was all Japanese. It was a ripoff of the Transformers. I didn't know Gen 1 Transformers was a slapdash of a whole bunch of product lines that just got packaged into one thing in the United States. So by the time I saw the first movie in 87, I was 10 years old with theater going, oh my God, oh my God, Optimus. You know, and, and not like realizing this, but I knew it wasn't us. But as I got older, um, you know, I kind of kept my hand in it with, you know, video games. And a lot of that, of course, was Japanese stuff because it was the Nintendo, then the Super Nintendo. Um, I had a Sega Genesis, but a lot of that is very, very Americanized. So it was very different. Um, so while I consider myself, yeah, while I consider myself multi-console, I've always been, I tended to lean more towards the Nintendo side of things. So of course, everything they translated, they mostly translated. Um, and then after a while, I began to hear rumblings, you know, as we all did of this, this wave of animation coming from Japan. So, you know, first it was mom and pop shops. And then when Blockbuster took over everything and Hollywood video took over everything, I went in and was able to find more early days animation. And then I began, it really put together that I'm seeing what I'm seeing in the video games is exactly what I'm seeing on celluloid as animation. Yeah. And I, I had that okay, exact same. Yeah. So this, this confirms everything I had understood for a while. And, and, even by the 90s, localization had got a lot better, but it wasn't necessarily the best. Big, big correct. We're, we're not even out of the woods of we need to Americanize this, but it's definitely a little bit. There's a little bit more of an industry to it, but we're not kind of where we are now. And the reason the reason I asked specifically about Final Fantasy seven was like that is considered to be kind of a, a landmark moment that and the PlayStation in general of localization mm-hmm. where they stopped pretending it wasn't Japanese because Japanese had been associated with like 
like you said, throwing them a bone, like inferior mm-hmm. products, not good material. Yeah, it's, um, again, because of my age, I, I do remember the majority of the 1980s. I remember Reagan. I remember Reaganomics. I'm sorry I, about that. Yeah, I was I was there. I, as I say to people, when they look at, they laugh about Donald Trump now, I'm like, I remember being 12 and 89 and seeing jokes about him in newspapers and comics and things like that back then when he was, you know, and I kind of learned, oh, this man's a scumbag. Sorry, for, I'm not trying to get political, so if anyone's a fan of his... <laughs> You're good. Uh, You're, I, yeah, apologize. No. I apologize. Fine, I, I knew from the time I was 12 this man was a piece of crap. Uh, well, people um, tend to forget that Donald Trump is not the first celebrity to ruin the country. No, absolutely not. <laughs> don't forget we had a movie star president in the 1980s. Like I said, uh, I'm sorry you were around for Reagan. I'm sorry I have to live in the fallout of Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm still alive. Yeah, um, I'm glad but, we're all still alive for this. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. There was, that was, um, it was the long running joke that, you know, and I didn't understand as a kid that, you know, why people were down in the Japanese. I remember um, my own grandmother who was, you know, in her early teenage years when World War II started. So the only information she got about the Japanese culture, which she was a little Polish girl, her parents were literally immigrants from from Warsaw. They, you know, she knew nothing about Japan, Japan and Japanese culture. So the only thing she ever heard was, you know, the attack on Pearl Harbor, which I mean was in Hawaii, but she lived in in Pennsylvania. So she, in her head, got this idea that the Japanese were coming and were going to bomb where she lived any second, yeah. and for the rest of her life. She was very hateful towards these people that literally had nothing to do with her because she had been, you know, told by the The, American media at a critical time in America's history that they're coming to kill us and you need to be part of the war effort. So, and me not knowing this, I'm, you know. I'm a kid. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, exactly. I I have no goddamn clue about this stuff. And here I come. And even still, we know from media back then, you see all the jokes about Asian stereotypes in movies. You know, they're the very straight-laced, only math. Um, you know, the, the English is very bad. They're kind of goofy because they don't understand. Um, there was a, a famous movie at the time, and God help me, I don't remember it. It was, um, I know Michael Keaton was actually one of the stars, but it was a movie about, um, they were auto manufacturers in Detroit. And they got bought out by a Japanese company because, you know, the recession and times changed after the 70s. So now they had, you know, this American culture of building cars suddenly had to conform to the Japanese method of doing it. And everyone, it was, you know, culture shock and, you know, Japanese people trying to live in America, having to leave their homes to go run this business out of, you know, both their job and company loyalty versus the American auto manufacturers coming like a bunch of thugs from, you know, with, with ironworking and, and all this crazy stuff. And eventually Michael Keaton has to be the man who finds common ground with these foreigners on American <laughs> soil. And apparently this movie did pretty well. And God help me, I don't remember the name of it. You can probably Gung-ho? find it out there. Uh, Gung Ho, thank you. Yes, Ooh, that's yeah, the that's exact a, name that's of a, it. That is the name for that movie. Wow. <laughs> and, and even as a kid, I'm watching this, I'm going... I don't really understand what the hell's going on here. I know there's supposed to be jokes, but I don't get it. So is this a this is a comedy? 
Yeah, it was a comedy. Because, yeah. like, there's there's stuff in, I don't remember the exact era, probably the 90s, if not the 80s, where it's like Japan's got their big economic bubble and American companies are going to Japanese factories to learn, like, how do we make this happen in America mm-hmm. or these numbers and, and whatnot. So. Yeah, that was, a, that's, and it's a lot of fiction at the time. That's, that's one of the reasons in uh, cyberpunk exists as it does, where a lot of the currency, there's a lot of heavy Japanese themes and a lot of, in cyberpunk, uh, money is now the yen or the new yen or something like this. Uh, even William Gibson, uh, Neil Stevenson, all those kind of talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah all those talk about it. <laughs> exactly because of the Japanese bubble and people thinking, well, Japan's going to now run the world. It's so crazy yeah. to think back to because that's the same thing. I feel like some of the fear on that comes from like the deep seated fear and hate from World War II going into that, and it's like you skip ahead. A decade or two after that when the bubbles burst and now anime and pokemon is everywhere in america and it's like <laughs> as a kid it's like i can't even fathom the idea that i would be scared or feel from this country they're making all this stuff that i love we're buds like yeah that that this deep-seated like fear it's like they're cool what do you where is this coming from like we're <laughs> no, local you'd find but yeah, it, it's it's a lot of boomer fears exactly, based yeah. on the greatest generation having like fought them in the pacific and I like now as an adult going, you have to understand that was such a different time. There was a war on and you have to understand they were a country that allied with a nation who was thousands of miles away in Europe, who legitimately hated them. And if that nation had won, would have then killed them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, America got to have the, the biggest penis in the room because it dropped two <laughs> atomic bombs on them and now said, guess what? We run the show. I I had such a similar experience. My grandfather fought in the Pacific. He was on a boat. He got hit by a kamikaze pilot. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I started getting into Japanese video games and anime and everything, I didn't even know it was Japanese, but he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they 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 tracked it immediately. We were kids like, yeah. oh, this is fun. They're like, no. Oh, Piston Honda showing up at Punch Out must have been a real rough go for no, him. No, this this is he wasn't he wasn't like super racist but he 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 was just aware that these were not american products these were uh products coming in taking more of like the taking the american job sort of uh, thing yeah like the auto factory so, so this this stupid routine about they're taking our jobs nah. is not new it's been nah. around yeah. for longer than any of us <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years if not longer yeah, yeah i mean yeah, the I chinese to... exclusion act of the 1800s this yep. they're taking our jobs this crap has been around forever uh, when I wanted to start learning Japanese and everything, that my my grandmother was like, "Oh, if your grandfather had lived to see this." <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, funny you mentioned that. Uh, many years ago, I, da- uh, I dated a young lady, and um, she was again learning Japanese as well because she was very much into cosplay and you know anime, mm-hmm. all the stuff. I've been to a couple conventions with her, so I, my Japanese is almost non-existent. I know a few words here and there, but yeah, I'm one of those guys that. I'll list, I'll watch the sub if I can if it sounds pretty good. Usually I went with the dub, but she would just routinely like you know, y- you know, being young men and young women at that time, she would just go Pack! all the time at me, and I'm like, at first I didn't know what it is, and somebody translated for me. Like then I turned around and what she did one day, I said, "What did you call me?" She's like, "Oh, I'm like, yeah, I now know what that means, and I don't appreciate it." And she's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 
Um, the the so, old Baca. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's oh, that's the easy one. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I I I believe you you've spoken about this a little bit before about you know not really being into to anime or manga or anything like that. Is there anything that you're that you're into right now as far as anime or manga? You know, the funny thing is I, back in the, the late nineties and early two thousands, I was all about it. I think over time, because kind of how my tastes have changed, it's, it's kind of fallen off. I keep looking at it a little bit going, okay, I like the idea. I like this. Um, just being an artist and myself, I enjoy a lot of the animation. I enjoy a lot of the art styles. I, I really kind of, I love what they're doing. I have noticed, of course, that um, I also I, I teach art in my day job. So I notice a lot of my students are very into anime, but also kind of like the direction anime has influenced uh, now several a couple generations worth of American artists. So a lot of what we get, even in American cartoons, has a certain influence. Sure, it's you know they're still very much kind of like a little bit of Disney, a little bit of Warner, but they've been mixing it heavily with anime. Yes, there's a there's a um, phrase going around that I want to popularize called hamburger shonen that describes American or Western made things that have a very clear anime inspiration in the vein of spaghetti western. Yeah, exactly. No, you're actually 100. I like that. That you were. I like that. Phrase I found that, that one, is. and I'm like, this is it, it's captured this concept we've been trying to like. Because it's like, it's Western made, but it's anime, but also anime is fluing everything, but it's these particular ones, and it's just like, that's it. Yeah, no, exactly. I like that phrasing. So a lot of my students, um, obviously, most of the, you know, they come in, Mr. Morgan, you're an art teacher. I'm like, yes, I am. And, you know, I walk them through kind of the history of art as humanity-wise. So I try to hit every major culture, and I do talk about Japan at a certain point. Because I tried to point out to them, I had students, in fact, this last school year, where I showed them the original sort of the you know late Edo period um, right before the Meiji uh, Restoration the um, the trading cards that a lot of oh, artists Hanafuda? would make yeah exactly yeah. and I showed them I said look take a very good look at this and then you know I turn click on put on like Dragon Ball or something like this and do you notice any similarities kids. And a few of them went, oh, yeah. Most of them went, uh, no, I don't see what you're talking about, mister. And they go right back to their phones. and they're Showing me playing. two very ancient things. I'm a things, teenager yeah. in the year 2023. I'm a yeah, what, I don't what's care. What's Dragon Ball? Exactly. And, um, but, you know, a few of them got it. And I said, this is a style that's been around forever. And I said, the biggest influence the anime had was Walt Disney. In fact, a lot of, as you guys know, like... Um, a lot of the great animators of the last 50, 60 years, um, those of us who are still with them, have turned around and said, yep, it's because after World War II, a lot of American GIs brought over Disney movies, and they were an influence. We just took them and modified them to our standard. Oh, they already knew about it before World War II happened. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> e even that. But and the kids are like Popeye. Popeye. Yeah. He loves Popeye, Popeye, loves Popeye and I yeah. don't have any idea why. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of World but, War II. He was big with the sailors. Yeah, exactly. They brought those cartoons. And and the kids have been, a few of them who, who recognized it went, oh, mister, that's really been a thing. I'm like, yeah, Kurt, I hate to say it. The world has been around before you existed. Things happen. <laughs> there's, there's history for a reason. Um, 
but I, I've also been interested. I try to talk to the kids culturally because I also see them adapting. Um, as much as they love anime, it's kind of it's a wonderful thing because it comes in. It can be no matter who you're, who you are as a as a as a young person growing up in America, what your culture is, um, what your personal history is. I can always say, well, anime is a nice uniting influence. Um, and then I've watched them actually begin to adapt some cultural things in anime as well. I've watched, like I said, the um, uh, students of mine who are African-American. I've noticed that they've added a little bit of, you know, um, African-American street culture to theirs. Students of mine who are um, Latino or Hispanic have been adding certain like sort of flair to that, too. Um, they've been bringing up stuff from Mexico that has come, from, you know, that is originally inspired by Japan, and it has a, a somewhat of a different look. Uh, it's very flavored. Um, so, you know, I, I've kind of watched this this interesting cultural evolution, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, Mister, do you watch Demon Slayer? And I'm like, no, I haven't seen that one. I mean, the most recent thing anime I think I've probably seen has been uh, the Castlevania series on Netflix. Mm. Um, the Netflix. I watched yeah. some. Yeah, I watched some episodes of uh, Baki the Grappler. Um, <laughs> That's a good okay. one. And a, a few other ones. I'm trying to remember what caught my attention, but um, the problem is I, I, I tend to, you know, my brain anymore with between all my hobbies and stuff like this, I, I may miss certain things and I have to try and go back. And I, I try to, like they say, well, mister, what, what have you watched? And I have to kind of go back and say, okay, have you ever heard Cowboy Bebop? <laughs> and they're like, no. That live action anime, oh, that or, uh, live action like, series no. on Netflix. Dear God, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm like, have you ever watched Adult Swim, a cartoon? No. It's like, oh, shit. And in my head, I'm going, oh, that's right, because in 2001, when that came out, it's been 20 years, fool. You're old. Um, but, or is it ha- but it's Cowboy Bebop. Come on. Back in my day, we used to have to wait until midnight to watch anime. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, have you ever heard of Gundam? No. Have you ever heard of Trigun? No. Have you ever heard of Samurai Champloo? No. And like now, now I'm going to start getting into the weeds, kids, because like, have you ever heard of Ninja Scroll? What's that? I hope they uh, haven't heard of Ninja Scroll. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of like um, what was that? That one, the the one samurai horror one. Um, uh, Yoma Curse of the Undead. They're like, no. I'm like, have you ever heard of the Slayers? No, I go, oh, oh man! <laughs> I'm like, oh god, kids! Death I don't know the what monoculture. Things You're keep moving, moving so fast. I know, and it's it's I I'm I'm reminded how much time has actually passed. Um, like I said, the, the again, the young lady I dated in the story, her big thing was uh, revolutionary girl Utina. Yeah, and that yeah. is that is now a long time ago, and I'm like, oh god, I don't I don't even. I realize I don't know how to even talk to these kids now in a unified language because I'm speaking a very old dialect. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the thing is, I'm not down on any modern anime. I've watched some of it. Some of it's really very good. And like I said, I love the art. I love where they're going. It's just a part of me tends to go, you know, I, the, the problem is I'm seeing the story beats because I've been around a while. And I've kind of noticed oh, that. Yeah, we definitely suffer from that. Yeah, it's the same story beats are like Sword Art Online. You know, like a, someone else asked me a question, like a game I was playing. When did you realize it was Sword Art Online? And I kind of know a little <laughs> bit about it, but I'm like, okay, 
I see where he's coming from. I didn't think of it that way, but, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel with that one. It's like, I'm watching some like weirder version of Yu-Gi-Oh when I see that sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, it's part yeah. of my brain is, is connecting to old things. And, um, again, not down in it. I think I'm just, I've been around long enough in the game where I'm beginning to watch newer stuff. I'm seeing their influences from older media. Mm-hmm within the genre yeah. i'm like okay i kind of I, I think i know where the, the story's kind of going here yeah this so, is their dragon ball this is their <laughs> their yeah this is their it's... Yu-Gi-Oh. this is their um you know card captor sakura this is their <laughs> um you know this their pokemon because even though pokemon's still around obviously there's there's digimon and there's a lot of other you know pet monster sort of things um and even some of the crazier stuff i'm like nope that's ninja scroll because you're pulling beats from it <laughs> because I've been there. Sorry, kids. Um, and occasionally when I get to see, eventually they revitalize an old property. Like um, somebody came out with uh, they're trying to a new Gungrave game. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh Gungrave. God, I forgot this thing existed. <laughs> you know, Core I watched that series. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I watched that whole series. I bought every single one of those DVDs when they came out at 20 bucks a pop. <laughs> Because it was the same guy who did Trigun. I'm like, okay, I love Trigun. So this gun grave, the animation's great. This story's got to be going somewhere. And that whole story was a giant flashback of this guy's previous life as a gangster until he was killed. And then in the very first episode, we see him rising from the grave to do his revengeance. And 20 episodes in, the last two, they finally go, oh, and now he's a he's an undead, and he goes out and gets his revenge, and then he walks off into the sunset. And I'm like, you had an entire series where I watched this man's flashbacks, <laughs> which is mostly talking. In the very first episode, in the very last episode, you do high, you know, shoot him up bullshit action. And I paid 20 bucks a pop for these, so I'm in quite deep. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is all I get, huh? Oh, gosh. Oh, no, I'm done. And then 20-some <laughs> years later, some of it's like a new Gungrave game, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I ain't getting tricked a second time. <laughs> I, I burned them out. No. I, mean, I burned enough. I want my money back. <laughs> but this is, you know... You know, um, well, I was just thinking, um, you know, you had mentioned a little while ago, your students were talking about, like, oh, did you see Demon Slayer? And I just, I had this thought in my head, um, because y- you're probably not familiar with the manga at all would that be no, safe to say there i think there's there's something that you might be interested in there because demon slayer more than like almost anything else we've seen there is such a drastic change from the manga to the animation mm-hmm. it's it's almost not even worth reading the manga at all um as someone who reads lots of manga that's strange for me to say because a lot of times i'm like oh the manga does this better but the art is so much different there might be something interesting there to like study as far as like it's almost an animation showcase yeah they took they took what was kind of a blank slate and just this studio went nuts on it because usually it's the other way around because you can do designs in singular drawn pictures as a as a comic manga panel then you can like okay now animate that in motion and it's like we got to sim- simplify these designs but yeah it's exactly. a situation where it went the opposite direction somehow despite going against the grain of the medium yeah i mean and for me manga's also been sometimes tough to find 
because um, back in the day when I was more collecting comics and reading a lot more comics, if you were lucky, depending on which shop you had, and again, where I grew up was very small, so there were only like two or three shops in the whole area. Um, someplace like where I live now, you can get three or four different shops, and they now will stock manga as well as Western comics. Back then, they were a specialty order job. Mm-hmm. Unless if you happen to find a, a, a piece here or there where like they over-ordered, and not everyone bought up the stock. So you I, could I, grab a hold you know, hold of one. I love this um, so much. This is so... like th- These two don't relate to this struggle. Because <laughs> Kermit's too young, and, and Brad got into it way too late. Yeah, I got, it, I got in when it was already in Barnes & Noble. I have a whiff of that thing of like, oh, I'm missing this one, It just, but it never shows up. But not like straight up like... I can't find this. Like I'm at I'm, least I'm just it's like... in Barnes and Noble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brad's Bar- like, no. you... I hate to say Barnes and Noble has actually been one of the best things They're for me because you can easily go get it. Whereas yeah. when I was collecting, I'm like, it was almost like you know you were trying to like go into a bookstore and asking, can I get the latest copy of Penthouse, please? Like you get the same thing, <laughs> the same. Way. Can I get the latest copy of the Slayers manga? They're still handing it to you in the same brown paper bag. Yeah, it's you like, got to go in the paper room where the special stuff is. Yeah, because they're like, you're ordering porn, aren't you? Yeah. Like, oh god, no! Uh, I literally just want to know about this comic. I found <laughs> Akira treated, Volume Three in a Suncoast video. Exactly, because they treated them the exact same way. Yeah. Oh my god, it was horrible. In fact, I got a story about that, but let me finish this first thought. <laughs> um, you know, so I, there was a manga I was collecting, and I, I cannot think of the name of it, because they had to heavily translate it, and actually do it where they had to now print it reverse, so I could le- read it left to right, instead of leaving it as right to left. Um, and maybe you guys may can help me out with this one. It's um, It was a samurai epic... Uh, the samurai actually wore a swastika on the back of it, and he actually they actually had to have a disclaimer at the front yeah, saying yeah. it did not have this connotation. This is prior a, this to is a Buddhist symbol. It's a manji. It's we okay. swear it's to God, it's Buddhist. It's not a Nazi yeah. thing. They, they had it before the Nazis. It's okay. Don't worry. No, excuse me. And we he swear to, to Buddha. Yeah, and he had to. <laughs> he, he, it was a curse for him to keep living. His body was held together by these magical worms, and he had to kill one thousand evil men before he would be allowed to die. Finally. And I I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I know at some point that they had said they were going to translate it into an anime. But then I lost track of it. Blade of the Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I lost track of it. So I never saw it because I was enjoying the hell out of it. But then I couldn't find copies anymore. And even I went to my store and I said, you know, I'm willing to special order this. And they're like, yeah, like, dude we're going to have to charge you like almost 20 bucks an episode because we are really having a hard time getting a hold of this and you are literally going to be the only one ordering it. I'm like, no, I ain't paying that much. That's a little, that's like collector's levels. Yeah. You know, like, there's like, Hey, sorry, man. Not And, and nowadays that, that is in Sekiro from FromSoft and everybody played it and they don't know it references blade of the immortal mm-hmm. <laughs> makes me Absolutely. so mad. I know, absolutely. Without hidden hidden manga volume or an anime, I mean, not that people freaking buy anime DVDs really anymore. But. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, you know, Ben's talking about. Oh, when I was a kid, I had to do it, and I'm just like, what do you mean? Everything's online. Yeah, I love and, I love Brad co- Brad coming into the game way later when he's older than all of us, and he's just like, what digital? I like he skips the line entirely. He has exactly. zero, despite being one of the older ones of our little trio. He has zero connection growing up, being like, this is hard to find, or like, not I need to the zero, but. Copy. 
basically. Yeah. Very especially little. Longer before especially I had broadband longer. internet. I have a shred yeah. of yep. what Ben's story is and <laughs> Phil's story. I have a little piece that I can go, it's somewhat like that. I know I had it better, but yeah. <laughs> well, the, speaking of that, like I said, the story I tell is, is this. Um, we had a friend of ours growing up who, after we all graduated high school, he went to Boston College. So um, one, there were a couple weekends we went up to visit. One weekend we went up to visit, um, you know, from where I am in Pennsylvania to Boston. It's about a five-hour drive. So on a Friday, a buddy of mine and I, after work, we left. We drove up to Boston, and um, we hung out at their dorm at Boston College. They let us in. He was hanging out. So that Saturday, we wandered around Boston, just looking at the sights, seeing things, getting the Massachusetts experience. Uh, long before it's you know irradiated wasteland, um, <laughs> but we I found a, a Japanese anime and manga shop, and it was like in a second floor walk up in an old like you know two hundred year old building <laughs> rental space. Uh, didn't have an elevator, so we're walking up what I looked like you know this you know burned out stairwell in this building that was turned into storage space. You know the kind of stairwell where it's not taken care of, and there's obviously a guy sleeping on the second floor. Um, when nobody's home because it has easy access. You can get in, get out of the weather. And we go into this place and we're like literally on wood plank floors. This guy's just got racks of all this stuff, specialty. The owner is, again, he's Asian, so he knows what to get in, knows what to order. Um, and I bought a couple like VHS copies of the Slayers that I had missed yeah. in Suncoast. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, I can fill in the blanks and watch these now. My friend who's with me buys a couple copies of La Blue Girl. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, that I is porn. At, yeah, I looked at the back and I went. And he's like, no, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm like, look, I know you're into, I mean, know you're into in this. In some way, yeah. I'm not going to be watching this with you because you're going to be watching it with your pants off. And I'm not going to be there for that. Sorry. <laughs> and um, so we go to the counter. We're buying. He's. I'm paying first. And he is right behind me. So I put down my stuff and I'm paying for it. And the the shop owners there is talking to me. He's like, oh, man, it is so awesome when this scene happens and she gets into this. And, you know, this happens. And I'm like, yeah, Slayers is really awesome. And he's like, no, I was talking to your buddy about the blue girl. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> she got raped in the scene by that tentacle. Jesus. And I stood and I stood there, like, with my mouth open and my eyes wide. I'm like, what do you <laughs> purchases and friggin' leave now? Thanks. <laughs> and he's like, what? What's yeah. wrong, dude? Yeah. And my friend I'm was looking like, for the ninjutsu. <laughs> yeah. And my friend was like, I mean, that's what we came to see. And I'm like, no, get me the hell out of here. This is bullshit. Get me out of here. I am. This is like, you know, your thing is your thing. But this ain't for me. Yep. Well, <laughs> now you can now you can go to Barnes and Noble or, you know, Best Buy or whatever. And you can pretend to be respectable when you buy your, you buy your manga. manga. <laughs> Absolutely. And they don't hand it to you in a brown paper bag. No, but they nice. do. They do have actual like. Arrow comics in Barnes and Noble in plastic wrap now. I never thought I'd see the day. It's soft core. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not the blue girl. I'll give you that. But yeah, it's like I can yeah. go. It's Barnes and Noble. I can go down and walk like 50, you know, 50 paces and go pick up a copy of Cormac McCarthy's like, you know, Blood Meridian and go, wow, this is way more horrifying. Mm. You know? <laughs> and, th- and they're just letting the kids have that. I'm pretty sure they said Bibles in Barnes and Noble. Yeah, get well. away with books because no one reads books. Yeah, so if you exactly. got a picture. 
Yeah, if you get a picture, that's where it gets really bad. Um, so I'll, I I wanted to touch on this. I want I want to make sure we can get to this. Um, a lot of the games that you've covered uh, have had some kind of connection, sometimes completely directly, with uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And I know you had talked a little bit about um, you know your experience with that. Um, mm-hmm. Something that we've covered before is how a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons stuff has sort of gone back and forth with Japan. How Japan has gotten an addition, and then they didn't get more additions, and so they sort of took it their own way. And then mm-hmm. you know, many years later, a lot of those ideas, because you have these separate branches, and then it sort of like comes back together and everything. Yeah, like in um, the first D and D edition, the art of the orc was like a pig snout. Yeah, and yeah. That stuck in JRPGs forever. It did. I mean, historically, the concept of, of Dungeons and Dragons as it was, and this was even in the 80s when TSR owned it before it was owned by Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. Um, they got like first edition, and it was a hard sell in Japan. It was, well, not that it wasn't a hard sell here. I mean, you guys are not old enough to remember the Satanic oh, Panic. I do know about 80s. it, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of a historic footnote. I actually had to go through it, where, like, you know, literally our newspaper was printing pictures of, I don't know where the hell they found it, quite frankly, of people in black robes stepping out of a van, literally printing in the local news, your kids are about to be kidnapped and sacrificed in a cemetery. If you see this van, call the police. Sounds rad. And none of this <laughs> it, it does. I mean, it's like, we were like we were kids, we were going around looking for these vans, going, okay, where are these dudes? I want to get find a free trip to the cemetery. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, this, none of this happened. None of this was real. It was, a, it was a terrible conflagration about one woman in California who had made a terrible, terrible lie to get famous, and then the religious right took it and ran with it. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing that's con- the last time that ever happened. Oh, yeah, no, that never happened. We <laughs> <laughs> all learned our lesson. But, you know, the things all I love, D&D, <clears throat> video games, heavy metal, all of this is now, oh, you're going to burn forever, yeah. and you're obviously in a cult because you like these things. And I'm like, no, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what the hell you people are talking about. <laughs> but, you know, D&D was a hard sell in Japan. And what they took from it is they really kind of had to upsell it. And Japan was actually one of the first countries that would do what, you know, what we call now the, um, the actual play. They would actually get together and record as an audio drama. People playing D and D. Whoa! In I've fact, heard of this. you know, huh. um, the uh, the series record of Lotus War is yeah. directly influenced. It is it's D and D. It is a D and D game that they played that they turn into an anime. I but did now, not know that. Yes, I didn't know that was the now, huh. They had Japan has since developed its own different anime uh, and TTRPG systems. Um, because they just, it's, d and is a little too westernized for them. This this stuff, I forget what it's called, as I actually only learned of it recently um, through another video. Um, I think it was, uh, I think it's a guy on YouTube called William SRD. He talked a bit about it. Um, but, and there's a couple other folks mentioned it, that Japan has its own TR, TTRPG systems. And, but D&D is still the grandfather, it's still there. And... Sometimes they got additions, sometimes they didn't. One of the biggest things that they did was what's now known as the Chronicles of Mistara 
uh, games, which are two very wonderful, and I highly recommend them. You can actually still get them on Steam as the Chronicles of Mistara. It's two games, just Tower of Doom recently. and Shadow over Mistara. And on sale. <laughs> they are, yeah, they're constantly on sale. Sometimes they'll be part of the Capcom beat-em-up collection because it was Capcom who put them out. Um, and they are literal beat-em-up RPG lights. In that, it is very much Capcom, so of course they have a history with Final Fight, Street Fighter, all those great games. And yeah. they took the concept of your side-scrolling, belt-scrolling beat-em-up, and they actually added RPG mechanics. So you have a character that literally levels up after the end of the stage, after a couple stages, and you get actual gear, you get magic weapons, you get magic armor, you can collect things, you get treasure that stays with your character. It progresses with them. So you get to literally complete the game way stronger. Even if you have to stop, the game remembers that you had this. And back in the arcade days, it was novel because in the arcade games, the arcade game literally remembered it. If a different person came in of the leveled up fighter that had extra gear because they got further, well, you could restart the game and have all the additional gear. It was literally you were leveling an RPG along with a beat-em-up. And it never did well in the arcades. I, f- I got lucky that I think I, I both... I did actually at one point play a little bit of Tower of Doom and Shadow like by complete accident. And the arcades never did well in my area, so eventually they got replaced by something else. And I think it was the... They got released on the Saturn in the late 90s as a collection. But then it disappeared, and it wasn't until 2014 that they were both released as the Chronicles package. And it's an interesting history because when Capcom of Japan ended up getting the license to produce D&D games, they didn't know what to do with it. (laughs) So they kind of like looked around at each other for a while, and they went, Anyone in the room know what this is? Dungeons and Dragons? No, no clue. Um, shit, what do we do? We have a property on our hands we've got to do something with now to make money. So they literally had a company-wide sort of casting call. Does anyone know what the hell this is? And by complete accident, in Capcom USA, one of their low-level employees, uh, an Alex Jimenez, I believe is his name, stood up and said, Hi, I know what D&D is. I have a weekly game and I run it. And Capcom <laughs> Japan went, come to us and explain what the hell is going on. And this guy was like a QA tester. He was pretty low down on yeah. the totem pole. And suddenly gets rocketed into this director's position because he's the only one in the company that stood up and said, I know what D&D is and here's how it works. And literally the Tower of Doom was the sketch that Capcom Japan had come up with a story Alex took it home, ran it for his home group. Whoa. And then gave notes to Capcom to said, here's what we liked, here's what we didn't, here's what worked, here's what didn't, here's the changes you need to make. And Capcom went, awesome. Thank you for your time. Congratulations, you're now the director. That's so cool. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's how we got Tower of Doom and Shadow of Mistara was and how actually Alex became a, a high up in Capcom Global was because he knew what D&D was. That seems <laughs> wild lucky. to me that they didn't know, because unless my 
my chain of events is wrong, because maybe it's something pre-D&D, but, like, D&D is one of the formations of Dragon Quest. Like, you have off from school and work, Dragon Quest is coming out. Like, and that is so... That's D&D. Yeah. Edition 1. Yeah, Dragon Quest, the initial Final Fantasy, it's... They're all D&D. They're literally D&D based. Exactly. It's wild. But, again, it's one of those things where it was so scattershot in Japan that it was extremely underground and not because it was terrible or had, you know, cultural implications or was a religious thing. It's just, it was this goofy thing from America that they just didn't know what to do with. And they did, it wasn't part of their culture. It was, we know Japan has a lot of mythology and whatnot. It just doesn't conform to the D and D method, which is very, very based on Western style of warfare, which is based on an old game called chain mail. And then based on the Lord of the Rings on top mm-hmm. of it. So a very Western idea of how fantasy fiction works. Which is why, you know, they, it came to us and then, oh, this makes no sense to us. And then once it started to take off, they went their own direction. Which is why a lot of Japanese fantasy in the modern age, it's the joke in the RPG is that a bunch of friends get together to go kill God. Yep. <laughs> yep. Whereas in Western style, it's a bunch of friends to get together to go loot treasure out of the Lich's castle. It's a, yeah, an adventure and not like, yeah. It's not like this epic quest of meaning. It's just like, okay, we're going to go get rich. And um, they they know, obviously, Japan knows what D&D is now. There's many people who play it. It's just back then, they just didn't know what to do with Capcom literally just did that with this license. Now, eventually the license is transferred because, you know, Hasbro is Hasbro and they, they kind of don't want um, competition clauses. And apparently Hasbro and Bandai Namco don't like each other because they're in the same business and it's a competition clause. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got, we, we got a few D and D video games that are straight out of Japan and it's uh, the, the Chronicles game. You can look at it and go, Oh my God! This is anime D and D. This is literally what this is. <laughs> I and haven't started it, playing it yet, but I'm I'm, no. I'm looking forward to. It. You know, I think you're going to enjoy. It. I mean, I loved it, uh, but then again, I love beat 'em ups. So a lot of my history with beat 'em ups are again. There's another Japanese game properties. that's just like that, made from Japan. That's got gorgeous artwork. That the name is just that came out, not like I guess now a while ago, but like I am just it's, looking um, on the name. It's like gorgeous artwork. The I, I feel bad that the major thing I remember is that a lot of the women character archetypes have mm-hmm. are massive. Yeah, exactly. It's it's well, um... the name, but like you describing it, like that's what that is. Like that is literally yeah in that vein a a, a beat 'em up that is also D and D that you level up, you get equipment, you go to the places, you meet the characters. Why can't mm-hmm. I think of what it's called? It's Dragon something. I just saw it because a local secondhand game store shop of ours here in town has a copy of like the deluxe edition for 24 bucks i haven't gone in to pick it mm-hmm. up yet it's it's not dragon's dogma it's not yeah. dragon's, dragon's dogma is also a quest. very D game yes also extremely it is uh, it is literally one of those games where they said okay elder scrolls let's do a japanese version it is dragon's crown i just dragon's crown I just googled yes. it. I, have the, I have the benefit dragon's of crown. not being locked locked in my sound key without my phone i can google things during an episode <laughs> No, it's very again. It's it's obviously a very Western version of anime, and which is I think why back in when it came out, Dragon's Crown was like, oh, this is sexism because look at these women's characters. I'm like, okay, I see where you're coming from. 
But for the love of God, can we just take a 30 second on this to say the artwork is awesome. We haven't <laughs> had a solid beat em up in over a decade. <laughs> now you can go on with your standing on your soapbox. I'm, I'm guilty too. It's not like I haven't stood on a few soapboxes on my own show. But can we at least give ourselves 30 seconds to go? This is pretty. And somebody tried to revive a dead genre of game. Okay, now go. Now go off on your anger spree. (laughs) Please. I won't be listening, but enjoy yourself. You know, that actually, uh, that's a a good segue into uh, another another point I I had I wanted to to bring up. Um, Oh, boy. So, okay. (laughs) <laughs> Something I really like about your show is how much you don't get along <laughs> with mainstream. Um, <laughs> something that that we also uh, have touched on quite a lot is, you know, don't interact too heavily with the anime community. <laughs> and so I think there's a, an interesting parallel there as far as like, yeah, the, the mainstream of these communities is it's, it's not it's not great. And uh, I, I like that, you know, I, I think I've described it as the contentious relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be an ass. I'm really not. Um, I'm just old enough to realize that I've seen this before with console wars and Gamergate Oof. and all kinds of real. And I uh, apologize if, if you guys don't generally swear, but a lot of bullshit, <laughs> quite honestly, that. I, I just, I don't have time for. Mm. I mean, hate is the idiot's weapon. And a lot of people show their ass real quick when they open their mouth. Um, I've also unfortunately been around enough fandoms to realize that fandoms can get toxic very easily. Yep. And I don't just mean toxic positivity. <laughs> yeah. I just no, mean toxic I know. in general. And where two or three people are gathered in my name, someone's going to make a, uh, an absolute <laughs> shitpost. Yep. Um, it, it's just a matter of I'm, I'm tired, I'm old, and I just don't have time for the, 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 the miasma of, of anger and hate and, you know, um, oh, really? Because character X did this, Y, and Z. How do you not have this memorized? I'm like, because I have to try to remember my bank account number. Not what, you know, character X did in season three when he was scratching his asshole on the way to the boss fight. I, 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 sorry, I, I got other stuff I got to do. And it, it, gets a, it gets a lot. It gets a lot much. It's not mm. just a little much. It gets a lot much. And I remember even back when I would go to conventions, um, I've only been to a few anime ones. I was to one, um, I was at one the one in Maryland that's every year that I'm suddenly blanking on. Otacon? Otacon, yeah. Yeah, I always say Otacon because Otacon. Metal Gear <laughs> yeah, Solid. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. Otacon <laughs> um, for the year 2000, and I went to uh, Katsukon in 2001. And, again, old man yells a cloud here. But <laughs> it was those were wonderful to sort of see that there was so much love for this genre that, you know, for me was a strange thing. I finally get to meet people from across the country who love this thing that I love. But then I began like real quick, I began to notice it's, it's got a dirty underside. Oh yeah. Where it's absolutely people who like, Oh, you're not dressed like this character. Oh, Shaniqua, don't you tell me you don't have this exact thing. I'm like, 
slow down. Slow down, first of all, son. Don't address me like that. Don't come at me. <laughs> Please Two, do not shinique me. Yeah. Two, I love this thing and you love this thing. We can find common ground in that. You don't get to gatekeep based on the degree to which you feel I need to be vetted. Yep. And, you know, I'm Mr. Generic White Guy from Middle America. <laughs> but there are people who love this who already ha- are coming into this going historically being marginalized and now you're additionally marginalizing them for not liking this the same way you like this thing and i'm like i can't tolerate this 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 isn't right i i'm maybe it's just me i tend to you know i realize that life is not fair but i do try to be just i try to say this isn't right and i'm all but the problem is for me, I just have to step away from fandoms because I realize I'm fighting against a tide of hardcore idiots who really believe what they're saying and a legion of trolls who thinks it's funny <laughs> to just keep poking the bear and being harmful to people. And I feel real sympathy for people who just love the thing, no matter their degree of how much they're into it, whether it's their personality or their lifestyle, or if they're just a casual uh enjoyer or anywhere in between who just want to get there for the love of the thing. And then they have to walk into this snake pit of weirdness and sometimes misogyny and sometimes sexual assault and sometimes, you know, name calling or having to say, Oh, you like this character name three things they did. Then I'll believe you. I'm like, what are you five? Knock it off. You're a, at this point, it's not even kids doing this. It's grown-ass yeah. adults. Oh, yeah. None of them have and an I'm excuse, like, but the adults definitely don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see if, if you're like a 13-year-old who doesn't know your backside from a hole in the ground. And you're like, okay, kid, you know, someone's going to push your face in the second you get in the door in high school because they're not going to take this very well. But someone who's 25 and has a job or in their 30s and has a family... And you're still doing this? No what patience. What the hell is wrong with you? You you are you are just a nightmare on society. No, it's I, definitely. I used to like. I used to like the anime conventions because you could get things there that you couldn't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like the artist alley was cool. the The merch tables were cool, but I was never really into the panels. And it was it was sort of the same thing with like horror conventions or any of that. Mm-hmm. But then once the internet came along and I had <clears throat> access to to the items I wanted to purchase everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I just left all that behind because yeah. it, it came with, it's like you said, it comes with so much like elitism and gatekeeping and, and just weirdness where it's like, I like this thing and that makes me special. <laughs> and and if you like it and, and you don't like it enough, then you're taken away from my specialness. Mm-hmm. I have to attack. Yep. And on my show, that's, that's kind of, I feel I'm not trying to be petty, but I feel like I get a chance every once in a while to go, I have a pin, and your lovely little thing is a soap bubble. Pop. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to give it to you from someone who isn't tied and does not care enough to to save your specialty little feelings, reverse snowflake, or whatever you are, little privileged asshole. Because, you know, not saying that I don't do, I don't have, games are, are an entertainment medium. I know they're expensive. And you do have to have a certain amount of capital funds to enjoy them, which leads to a certain amount of privilege. Um, a lot of kids who I teach, you know, the family bought an Xbox 
and it costs them a lot. It costs them food, costs them bills, just so Johnny can or Susie can can play a game, and it's like the one game you'll get all that year, and to like you know enjoy the thing. So I know you know being able to cover the games I do or talk about a few games in a year or several games a year, I know that I have a certain amount of privilege. But that doesn't give me an excuse to treat other people badly. Or that doesn't give me to say, oh, you don't agree that, you know, Final Fantasy VII is the greatest topic on Earth. Um, or I liked it, but I may not liked it the same way you did, but yours is, you're perfectly valid in your agreement or your disagreement. I'm just going to give it to you from my perspective and then have people turn around and go, well, we're just going to flog that off because my opinion's better than your opinion. No, 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 that's not how that works everyone's opinion is either valid or not. I mean, you can say a certain few opinions, and I'm not going to say this is not crazy thought. If someone says, you know, I like this because they killed this section of people and they, you know, did terrible things to these women, so awesome a game, and that's my opinion. No, <laughs> yeah, you that like was not valid. That was not valid. Yeah, that was there not valid. There are ones that are not valid. That's one of them. <laughs> yeah, you can shut up and go bury yourself in a nice deep hole. But if I'm sitting here going, well, I thought this character was interesting, but I didn't quite like this, and here's what this on, and I have someone turn around and go, well, you're just a fan because you're a fan of Sony, or you're just, you know, you oh like that gosh. because all all of you people, I, I love the phrase <laughs> you, you people. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> you people. Yes, open up, please, tell me, tell me your story. What do you mean by that? Now we're and you're talking a difference of opinion. Now you're just being an idiot. And you're, well, like you're the- what, what validity you would have had you just flushed. <laughs> well, there's the thing that's going on with like Diablo four right now where um, it came out and a bunch of people were like really enamored with it, like the honeymoon phase and gave it 10, 10 out of 10 reviews on Metacritic. And now there's a bunch of ARPG fans who are finding problems with the end game and everything. And they're going on Metacritic and giving it zero out of 10 yeah. to counteract the 10 out of tens. And it's like, why? Just give it, give it what you actually think. Like, there's no way it's a zero out of ten game. It, it's like a zero out of ten game doesn't work. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it doesn't run. Yeah, it's it's totally broken. It never should have gotten yeah. past the QA phase. People are just being so oh. ridiculous. And every once in a while, I get to go, "Hey, here's my thought. You're probably not going <laughs> to like what I'm saying." So I, I'm assuming I must have. Like, they listen to like thirty seconds or a minute or two, and then there's like a huge drop off because like. I said something they didn't like. Um, but we don't look at how I, long people listen. <laughs> yeah. Number goes up. To be That's like all that matters. Yeah, Brad loves number go up. He, loves, he shows us the graph all the time. And um, occasionally I will have, like, in the podcasting circle that I'm in, occasionally I will have a couple of my other guys go, like, they'll, they'll grab something out of there, like a joke I made, and they think, oh, that was actually a really good one. I enjoyed that. Um like, I, I jokingly, I, I released one of my most recent episodes. I did a, a review of Final Fantasy VII Remake. And um, I, I jokingly described the characters as I said, oh, it has all the tropes. It's got the black exploitation character, the wise child, the um, useless character, and uh, the, the angry man with the giant sword. And then I said, then it was Sephiroth. Um, but, you know, I said, I, I described Aerith and Tifa as... You know, the woman with a heart of gold and the head full of air. And the other girl with the heart of gold and the bra full of jiggle. And one of my my fellow podcasters in the circle quoted that at me in one of the discords. And he's just laughing at me the whole time. And I'm like, well, you know, I said what I said, dude. And he's like, no, no, it's all good. I get it. Um, 
And like I said, a couple of the other ones have been like, you know, you said this, expand upon this quite a bit. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give you a little bit more of a breakdown. And then I've met a few other people in Discord of like, <laughs> well, you know, just because you came out with this pedigree, it's like, uh, it's not good enough for my pedigree. And that's how they kind of came off, like a complete <laughs> asshole. It's like, look, I played this game too in the TTRPG space. This is also additional gatekeeping. I don't have time for this crap anymore. And then... Um, you want to talk about weird, credentials? I'll break yeah, out my credentials. <laughs> the, the, the most startling reaction I had was, uh, and I think, Brad, you may, you may have commented on this as well, um, when I put out my review of Alan Wake. Um, mm. I, t- I kind of talked around the, the background of not only when I was playing Alan Wake and my concept of it playing through essentially a thriller, not quite survival horror, but a thriller very much in the original sort of the Japanese written. Like, obviously, a lot of these have, like, you know, an influence from uh, Resident Evil 4. Yeah. When it came out in 2005 and the general look and the, you know, and it's not just Alan Wake. It was like, you know, the later Resident Evil's Resident Evil remakes of so the recent remakes of 2, 3 and 4. Um, Dead Space, all these games, yeah, there's, Gears of War, all have the Resident Evil 4 look, a bunch of which Alan Wake yeah. did. Yeah. But it's more of a thriller. Yes. And it's especially when you have a guy quoting Stephen King in your opening sentences. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I-, I thought it was a really good game. I'm glad we're getting a sequel finally after these many years. And some people like that game. Some people don't. They thought it was too slow. But I had to tell the background of it because at the time I was playing it, I was going through some stuff. I was deciding, you know, you know, I had written some novels that had failed and gone nowhere. Um, you know, I've been trying to get into the comics industry for years on my own. And I was having no success. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm married now. I have responsibilities. I guess I'm just another failed artist. I just have to consign myself to working in factories. Uh, you know, and then this is where it is. You make stuff on nights and weekends and you bury it in a closet, you bury it in a drawer. And when you die, someone comes and cleans out all your stuff and throws it away. And that's that's where most art ends up. That's where most creativity ends up, unfortunately. And I was kind of doing it. But at the same time, I also had a pet who got very sick and died um, of cancer. And he was kind of my buddy through this whole thing. And I told that story of, of uh, Samson the cat and his... Like, a couple days before he died, I had a dream involving him and Alan Wake. And I had several people come back and said, you son of a bitch, I never thought I would cry in a video game review of Alan Wake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't intend to do that, folks. I'm sorry. I just just told my truth. And I I kind of talked this little story because it was was an odd sort of side note to this this game that I enjoyed. And, um, you know... Sometimes that's, I think, where my change versus the the concept of the rest of the gaming world is in, because a lot of them want to do straight-up reviews, and they want to do straight-up reviews of the most current thing. Or if they're going to go back to a game, and no, no shade um, on nostalgia, they're going to say, okay, it was created by this studio and this director, and it had sold this many units, and this, and da 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 And I just played it recently, and I had trouble in this stage, and I'm like, you know, I'm also coming back to this guy's going, yeah, I played these games. Legit, I did. But oftentimes, to get the next system up, I had to sell the previous system and all the games. So sometimes I have to go to Wikipedia and go, okay, I need, it's been 20, 30 years, jog my memory. And then I go, okay, now I remember this, and here's where I was at, here's what went on. 
And, you know, some people are like, well, that's nice, I guess. If you old man sort of remembers it, good for him. <laughs> he did a very short, you know, thing about it. And other people are like, wow, thanks for letting me know. I like if I can find a copy of this, I may want to try it out. And that's kind of I feel what I get to do. A, a lot of a lot of the the younger people coming up making, you know, content are they want to be streamers or they want to be game designers themselves and they're trying to do like that industry inside. And then there's a separate community and th- these are the kinds of game reviews I like to watch where they talk about the game as an art, how it made them feel. Mm-hmm. Did it, you know, if a game is not maybe the, you can have a game that doesn't have the the tightest design or the best graphics or plenty of glitches, mm-hmm. but it's still, it evoked something for you in a particular moment in your life. And that's an interesting review to read. Yes. Let mm-hmm. me see it through your eyes. I, and I, like one of the early stories I told and I'll, I'll <clears throat> kind of, so I don't end up rambling here was, um, a very, very old and kind of obscure uh, NES game called Werewolf the Last Warrior. And it is it is most known in the gaming zeitgeist now because of the end screen, which is literally a werewolf holding an American flag. Because <laughs> that got added post-production by the, any, by the American translation team. But the, the basic of the game is that you're a werewolf in the post-apocalyptic time uh, trying to stop a mad scientist. And you get so many power-ups. It's kind of like a, it's like an altered beast where you start out as a human dude, you get a power-up, and suddenly you turn into this rampaging beast with hooks for claws, and you got to climb a ceiling. It's not a great game. It's not <laughs> good. But it's obscure, and kind of some people, even if you poke around YouTube, you're finally starting to see a few people like talk about it. And the thing I enjoy the most about it is because I've never been a huge horror fan but like not like slashers like you know freddy jason all that stuff but i like the universal monsters so dracula werewolf all that stuff and one of my favorite horror monsters is the werewolf so i got to say oh i get to get play a game where i get to be a werewolf one of my favorite monsters and again it's a japanese game i forget even who who was responsible for putting it out at this point, I don't know if it was Namco or, or Data East or something like that. One of those like really, really old studios. And I didn't have a copy at my local game store, which was at our local mall, which I call the mall in our, our my series. <laughs> so it was it was like literally in this store was like a KB Toys was where we got our video games. We didn't even have we were we didn't even have like a, a Toys R Us yet. That came in the early '90s. We had Toys R Us, and this was a few years before. So I'd read about this as a snippet in Nintendo Power, like literally a one-paragraph review. Hey, this is coming at some. So for months, I was calling the store. I was going to check. I was hounding it just to see if I could find a copy. And I know the release date finally got late, and it was never there. So 20 minutes down the road, it's like I said, it was. Born, raised in Scranton, 20 minutes down the road is Wilkes-Barre. It's our other town. So they have a mall. It's called the Other Mall. (laughs) And obviously I'm a kid. It's like 87 or 88, 89. I'm nowhere near being able to drive. So I kind of had to annoy my parents to go take me to the Other Mall to hopefully look for this. And my father's like, you know, we have a mall right here. What's the problem? I don't want to drive the 20 minutes into the quote-unquote bad part of town. (laughs) Meaning there were two black people that lived there, which so therefore the bad part of town. 
Um, plus, he was also worried because the Susquehanna River run, ran through there. And in 1972, uh, Hurricane Agnes had come through, flooded half the valley. And he was like, I don't want to get trapped on the other side of the river. Dad, it's, it's 1989. <laughs> we, we haven't had a hurricane like that in decades. The, the yeah. mighty Susquehanna. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's literally the mighty Susquehanna. And I was like, I don't want to get trapped on the other side of the river. And like, even when I was like living there in the, the early, you know, the early to mid 2000s, the late 2000s before I moved to where I live now, um, he was like, are you sure you don't want to be, that's the other side of the river. I don't want you to get stuck in case there's a flood. I'm like, dad, we have flood control. U.S. Army Corps has come through. They fixed it. They have levees. It's not 1972. I wasn't around in 72, dad. You don't forget. I remember you were there. My mother tells it you were there too. So I, I was not there for that. But um, I finally convinced my mom and my grandmother to drive down to the other mall a whole 20 minutes away. A whole 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Longest drive ever <laughs> to get down to the other mall. And the other thing is, thankfully, my grandmother was like, nah, honey, honey I'll go down with you. I got a, I got this store down there I want to check out. And so my mother's like, fine, we'll go. And I called beforehand, and they had one copy of the game in their KB toys. So I ran in with my money. I paid for it. And I was like, giddy. And I talked to the kid who was, I was like 11 or 12. And this, the store clerk was a disaffected 20 something who was really like waiting for a smoke break and, you know, sad that he didn't get to be, you know, in a hair metal band and Just done with it. was living in, yeah, living in PA in this, in this shit town, you know, waiting to smoke and go hang out with his buddies and drink in the countryside that night. And he was like, yeah, kid, whatever. He literally, I took the money, he ripped that out of my hand, he flung the game at me and said, thanks, kid. But I didn't care. So I went home and I played this game and it sucked. <laughs> I had been so hyped and it wasn't good. But I'm like, oh, got to eat it and I've got to play this thing. Yep. So Pay that's why it stuck with me. Yeah, I spent the money and it's, that's why it stuck with me. It's just the whole saga behind where I went to get through is just to realize that I'd hyped myself up to a product that wasn't mm. very good. <laughs> and I've said many times in my own show is that when I watch people now getting hyped about certain games, whether they're Western games, whether they're uh, Japanese style games. So, you know, friends in my podcast circle who are getting hyped for things like Fire Emblem and Xenoblade 3 and, you know, even Tears of the Kingdom from New Legend of Zelda. And they're like, oh, man, we did this. And I'm like, lower your, calm your expectations. I'm sure it'll be good, <laughs> but it's not the second coming of Christ. Yep. The same thing with people looking at things like Starfield and whatnot. Oh, my God, it's going to be the greatest goddamn thing ever. I'm like, calm yourself down. I'm sure it will do well. But there's going to be people that don't have the same opinion or don't want it or aren't interested. And now you're like, if you don't get this, you're the biggest piece of shit on earth. I'm like, it's a game. It's a video game. It's not food. It's not water. It's not shelter. Calm yourself. Take a lesson from an old man who got himself overhyped when he was very young and impressionable and went, oh, I kind of I made a bad choice and now <laughs> I regret it. That's why I put the story out. Here's a whole game involving buyer's remorse. And this is why it stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I a... Was... Oh, no, no, no. Oh. I'm sorry. Go on. Well, I was... I was going to... Yeah, I know. It's getting about time. Was, yeah, Brad, you were going to say that seems like a really good story to end on because it was a really yeah. good story to end on. <laughs> no, I think I that's, a, that's, a, yeah. uh, that's a good anecdote to end on. I think that um, that's something that 
a lot of people can learn a lot from, especially considering, you know, how much we talk about entertainment on both of our podcasts. We get excited. We get excited about Mm -hmm. new things, but we always make sure that we know it's not going to be the second coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I do get excited too, but I try to like say, okay, Phil, you're getting, getting a little amped. Chill. (laughs) You've been through this before. Chill. Well, thanks for listening to this special episode of That Time I Got Reincarnated in the Same World as an Anime Podcaster. Thanks so much to Phil for joining us. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about where uh, people can find you and what you've got coming up? Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I can be found at Deleted Saves. My podcast is on most podcasts, uh, Um The biggest ones I do is Spotify and Apple, but most every other podcatcher has some point of my show. Um, I, it's hosted on Anchor, so you can go to Anchor directly if you want. Um, I can be found at Deleted Saves on Twitter, which is where I do a lot of my sh- really quick opinions. Uh, I am on Instagram at Deleted underscore Saves underscore Podcast. I do have a Patreon. I'm at uh, Deleted Saves Podcast on Patreon. I'm really cheap. I'm mostly, I only have two <laughs> tiers, a $1 and a $2. Uh, $1 will get you a lovely shout out and you get to vote on stuff and eventually I will do everything I promise. It's just a matter of time. Um, and any kind of money goes directly to helping me and the show maintain things. So I definitely appreciate it. It's not required, but I definitely appreciate it. And I have very recently started a Discord server. It's deleted saves on Discord. And you can try and tell me I'm wrong about something. <laughs> or try to tell me I'm right. Or like most people, maybe you'll just say nothing at all. And I get to hear the crickets chirp. But that's generally where I can be found. Great. Thanks. Um, I hope everybody checks out your podcast. As I have said before, I've been listening to it for for a while. I really enjoy it. And it's a nice little, it's like a little bite. You know, you spend a couple minutes on it and you get that. Especially if it's a game you played before, you get that nice nostalgia hit. It's always fun. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Uh, you can find all the links uh, on our website, animepodcasterreincarnation.com, where you'll also find various articles and new manga reviews. I'd also like to thank Sagoy Mart for partnering with us. Um, as our listener, you can get 15% off your first order by using the link in the description or by using the code APR15 at checkout. Once again, thanks for listening, and don't forget to back up your saves. Yes, cat. Yep, I was going to say, he's not going to just let me ignore him. You, that The cat's name is Cat, by the way. Yep. This is Cat. <laughs> I have another one named Action. I thought you were going to say named Dog. <laughs> My dog was named Pup. Well, they, <laughs> very creative, Ben. So creative. <laughs> All right. That was a good, was a good tag. Phil, you don't know this, but Brad always does an ending tag depending on what the episode's about. And sometimes they're real winners, and sometimes they're real stinkers, and we let him know it. But he's been on—he's been on a hot streak. He's been on a hot streak. He's had some real—he's—he's figured it out. He's had some—he's had some killers recently. That was another good one. No, I, 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 dude, I understand. I mean, like when I wrap up my segment, my usual last thoughts I say are is thank you for listening. But right before it, I do try to do a relative zinger. 
And there have been a few of them. I'm like, man, I really killed it on that one. There have been a few of them. I like listened back later and I went, why did I say that? That It's on the record now, but it was the <laughs> dumbest thing I could have thought of. And some of them I'm like, oh God, some of my listeners are just not going to get this joke because they're literally too young. And I'm like, oh, the old man is showing through again. I like that though. That's And that's why I do it because it's like, it's to to give the listener a sense of like, yes, we are doing this at this time. We are connected. Everything's connected through and everything. It's I, I like it. But um, yeah, I, honestly, you know, I said it in the outro, but that was great. Yeah, no, this Thank was you great. so this much really for, well. for joining yeah. us. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, I, I really appreciate it. You know, I appreciate being on. Like I said, I, I very much appreciate, you know, you guys having me on. Thank you. Uh, talking for something a little bit different than what I normally talk about. Um, <laughs> bringing, actually bringing me back a little bit down memory lane too. <laughs> I, I kind of, it's, it's been a little while since I've been in the anime and manga scene myself. And I, I keep seeing stuff go by and I'm like, I should really get into that. And then I realize, oh, I, um, um, hmm. A little, what should we what should we suggest to Phil? What's going to be well, like, is it the normal so, two that we always suggest because it's they're 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 all timers. I mean, what I will what I will say is if you have some time, you should listen to uh, one of the episodes we actually just put out. We did the beginner's guide to anime and manga. Oh, okay, that's a <laughs> okay. solid one. And I know you're not really a beginner, but you know I think it would also be good for like c- coming back into it. A refresher um, course, yeah, I could do with that. We did release it in two parts, and the recommendations for like series to get into are in the second part. So you know, if but you start, he knows a to lot the of the part, classics. Like, you know, let's just say the two that we're all thinking of that we tell everybody that came out in the last you know year. <laughs> it's if you can find them, check out Spy Family and Chainsaw Man. Those are the two like those are the big oh, those yes. are the big I've... ones we can't shut. We literally cannot I shut think up. They're about. on Hulu. Yeah. Hulu? No, a lot of my students also love Chainsaw Man. I'm looking at this going, all right, I really should look into Chainsaw this. Man is, Chainsaw Man is Chainsaw Man is not like I mean I guess it's I mean obviously if it's you like have Ninja Scroll. Yeah. 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 It's doing yeah. its thing. It is not like oh <laughs> Chainsaw Man has seen this, you know. Chainsaw yeah, Man's the one we always give like a content warning to, but I think you're you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and I I love campy stuff. I'm not looking for highbrow anything. If it if I'm entertained, <laughs> I'm happy. So and I'm like and I see my kids look at this going you know what? Even if for context, I really better check this out. So, all right, I'll have to hunt that one down. <laughs> yeah. definitely. Spy Family, I've heard of. I've heard of it, but I, I've only heard a name. So, okay, Spy Family's Spy Family's like the all rounder. It's like yeah. every single thing you want out of a piece of entertainment. It's got that in there. It's funny. It's okay, action packed. It's dramatic. It's compelling. It just it does a million things, and it just does them all effortlessly really well in a way that i'm consistently like surprised by okay but i'll have to i'll have to hunt put, put your eyeballs out and give some... it a shot if it talks to you keep going if it doesn't you know put it down yeah i've got i've got some free time coming up i think i need to let me let me go hunt those down <laughs> so that i can come across 